Wyndham Hotels and Resorts makes travel possible for all. Whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee, a roomier rest for the on-a-wim road trippers, or a place to make summer memories with the whole family. No matter who you are, where you're going, or why, with 24 trusted brands to choose from like La Quinta, Days Inn, and Super 8, your Wyndham is waiting. Get the lowest price at WyndhamHotels.com. Restrictions apply. Visit website for more details. Catholic Disinfo Hour, where the Fab Four have assembled. We are here to rid you of your heresies and your uh, disinformation. We're going to be talking about the SCOTUS ruling on abortion. Did they split the baby? U.S. hurling towards war with Russia, China, North Korea, Iran. Will the Pope live past Christmas? This was hotly debated this past week. Inflation is the worst since 1982. That's almost 40 years. Hate crimes against Catholics in Washington, D.C. Oregon bans reading, writing, and arithmetic because it's racist. Three injections in Israel. You now have the same rights as someone with zero injections. French trads defended their parish, gallantly, I might add. Elon Musk is getting more and more based by the day. And Juicy Smollett is guilty. This is the rundown. This is the Catholic Disinfo Hour, celebrating its second year of weekly production. The Rundown is a collaborative Catholic news and opinion show endeavoring to expose and mock the Build Back Better New World Order in both civil society and the church. We've correctly predicted lockdowns, mandates, elections, and public frauds of all manner. Covidians hate us, normies try to ignore us, and fake news organizations wish they could be us. This is The Rundown. Brought to you by Restoring the Faith Media. RestoringTheFaith.com
have to go now. I'm bring now, bring now. Come on, hurry up, hurry up. Aren't you the man from the Empire show? That movie? Yes. You got a problem? Yeah. Um, um why do you do it around guys, here? Guys, guys, come on, the accent. More white, more racist, hillbilly. Oh, 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 oh. Hey, stop right there. What are you doing in our camp? Aren't you that Empire? Yes, I am. I'm the gate too, What's good? What's good? What the hell you doing over here? Get more aggressive, more aggressive. Rat, walk around the neck. Around the neck. Let me fight like limit. Let's keep it back. Alright. Oh. Ow, that hurts. Yo, what the hell are you doing? More bleach on his. I'm gonna get the war in the room, but I'm gonna stop doing it, please. Oh, this is Magic Country now, You don't belong here. We don't like We don't like your gay single ass over here. Don't you ever bring your around here, boy, or we'll beat your ass again. Please don't do it, please. Hit him one last time to show we're serious. And run away so the cops don't see anything that we already did. Why? Why me? Why me? <laughs> That's good. You guys, got, you guys got cash app? No, you told me you was on me Venmo. Venmo? I said cash app. Oh, I get the cash app. You can West Time Union me because I don't have my paper. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, I think that's how it went down, right? That was how the <laughs> Jesse Smollett thing went down. That's how it happened. That Based was on true cam. stories. That was, that was the hidden uh, camera. I don't have that my that paper. Cam footage. That, I think that's what the prosecutor used in the actual case. <laughs> <laughs> that's a good one. That's a good one. You know, oh, I love how, yeah, I love how he's like, well, you know, uh, uh, he's reading a script, obviously, and then he goes, now, you know, punch him some more. Sounds just exactly like Joe Biden the other day, reading a teleprompter. Uh, speak loudly here. <laughs> oh, oh, he did do that, didn't he? I forgot to pull that yeah. video. He, you're, you're not supposed to read. You know, it's like how the priests are supposed to say the red and do the black. <laughs> I think Joe, Joe got it confused. He yeah. said the black and did the red. Right, right. You know exactly. Oh, man. Okay, what are we talking about today? First, uh, top story, guys. Uh, Supreme Court breaking news today, Friday, the 10th of December. The Supreme Court has ruled on Roe v. Wade, kind of, sort of. Ryan, did they split the baby? They may very well have. Uh, the, the issue is the merits of the, the specific case at hand, which is uh, whether or not the Texas one is whether or not uh, they can sue under Texas's law. So it's it's largely a different legal question than than the question of Roe versus Wade uh, specifically, um, and at least how I see it, I, you know, I could stand corrected on that. Versus the Missouri law, which is the one we saw last week. Uh, you might recall last year on the rundown, I predicted, um, and I think you predicted too, but I predicted you know Amy Coney Barrett would never actually overturn Planned Parenthood versus Casey. Too much precedent, really bad way, you know way to go. Uh, based on her questioning, she she may be poised to go in that direction. And if that's so, I'm going to have to eat my head on that one. We'll, we'll find out. Um, but on the Texas one, it seems more procedural than it is specifically dealing with Roe v. Wade. Okay. So you're saying that there's another ruling potentially coming in the future, which may right. be the demise of, of, a Roe, of Roe. Could be well, if, if the questioning leads that way. You know, it suggests that they're going to vote that way, yes. 
Well, Brother Martin, I, I, I tend to agree with Ryan, and I, I don't think that uh, I don't think that Republicans or Republican appointed uh, justices really want to overturn Roe because then what will they run on? Well, hopefully, as we saw in Virginia, um, the Republican won the governorship there. Um, they run on family values. I mean, now so many things are being attacked that uh, conservatives want. You I mean we're talking about like you know those Bible believing Christians uh, that they, they want traditional family values. They, they don't want their kids to learn, you know, uh, critical race theory in their public schools, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, I think now the, the left has gone so far left that there are now a bunch of issues that conservatives can still run on that are important enough to a large amount of the conservative population. Um, they can still take yeah, up. Sir, certainly they could do that. But I mean, the, the fact of the matter is, is that a, a lot of them, James, just don't have the spine to run on traditional family. Let's say they've already given that up. I mean, Trump mm -hmm. put a a sodomite into the cabinet. I mean, at this point, it's it's kind of like if Roe is the last thing, you know, pro-life is the last kind of like thing that they have. I mean, I mean, yeah, the Republicans right. raise taxes all the time. Both Bushes did it. Right, right. I mean, you're absolutely right. With uh, Richard Grinnell out there uh, back in the Trump administration, and also uh, them ready to vote for uh, what's his name, Caitlyn Jenner or whatever. I mean, so easily folding over like cheap deck of cards. Um, and that's why um, looking at Justice, or rather Chief Justice Roberts, you know what he's been doing over the last ten years. It's I mean, initially it was surprising, but uh, you get to the point now where you kind of expect him to rule with the uh, liberal part of the court. And uh, this, I think, is has frustrated Republican voters enough to realize that all oh, this is just a, you know, a ruse to to keep them, you know, giving pumping more money into the Republican machine. Yeah. You talk about uh, what G.K. Chesterton very lucidly stated, you know, there's a problem with the hudge and gudge scenario here, you know. This group is fighting this group uh, and this group is fighting this group. But in the end, they're all working together for the now, same good. Now, you once, what you, they once lived good. In, you lived and worked in Washington, D.C. You you understand, sure uh, at least, you know, more so than many of us, how, how politics actually works. We yeah. we sit here on the rundown and we say we're a uniparty um <laughs> You know, country. Uh, there are just different. We we have a couple different variants of the same virus in Washington sure. D.C. Right, but um, I mean, can you, is that is that sort of how you have seen it up close and personal? That's how it's exactly how I've seen it up close and personal. Now, as a young twenty-something-year-old uh, back then, I was uh, more interested in pursuing what seemed to be the uh, the party of uh, the lesser evil, if you if you may. And uh, after several run-ins with people I thought would basically, you know, carry that banner of family and property, uh, I was quickly disillusioned, you know, because in the, at the end of the day, you know, everyone's shaking hands and going out for drinks. And you kind of look around you and you go, oh, my goodness, these people are really chummy, pretty up close and personal uh, after, you know, the TV camera stops running. That's exactly what we saw with uh, Ted Kennedy and... Um, uh, forgive me. Who was the uh, gentleman? Was it uh, John McCain and Ted Kennedy? Or yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Oh, those two, exactly what those that is, two right? couldn't get enough of each other. They they right. couldn't they couldn't find enough bipartisan bills to to partner sure. on. Ryan, you're exactly right. And this is what we're dealing with today. It's carried on. It's even worse today than it was back then. But then you know the the, the machine will have you believe. Oh, just just this this cause one more time. And look, we're we're fighting for this. Oh, January sixth. 
you know, but it, it's only just uh, a ruse to get your money, your hard earned money, you know, yeah. money you could be using to build your family up uh, in a virtuous way. You know, they want you to throw down the Republican machine. And yeah. I'm sorry yeah. for people who haven't come to that um, understanding yet, but that's just the reality. Uh, of it, you know, so that's so many of them are still willing to reach across the aisle that they uh, they basically just lay in the aisle, you know, like <laughs> outstretched in the aisle. Uh, you know, who has thoughts on our government is um, is Elon Musk. He's looking more and more base these days. Um, then, you know, at some point, really, what you're doing is capital allocation. So you're, you're not. It's not money for personal expenditures. It's it, what you're doing is, is capital allocation, and it, it does not make sense to take. Uh, the, the job of capital allocation away from people who have demonstrated great skill in capital allocation and give it to, uh, you know, an entity that has demonstrated very poor skill in, in capital allocation, which is the government. Uh, I mean, you can think of the government essentially uh, as a corporation in the limit. Uh, it, it is, it is a, the government is simply the biggest corporation with a monopoly on violence and, with, and where you have no recourse. Can so how much money do you want to give part? that entity? Ryan, the government is simply the largest corporation with a uh, monopoly on violence. In a real sense, it does. And it has a monopoly on uh, who can do certain types of business and who can do what. Um, but let's not kid ourselves either. It's a corporation that is, you know, has command of the regulatory bodies that govern us very, you know, specifically in terms of like our food, or medicine or what have you. And on top of that, it's not even its own corporation. It's also the big players in all these other corporations who have regulatory capture. It really is very much a, a mix of all this stuff. Um, you know, I like that Elon is talking about this. He's starting to talk my language. <laughs> um, <laughs> but my only this is my hang up on Elon Musk. Um, he's still an industrialist. He's still pushing the tech yeah. to build the transhumanist fantasy for the future. Uh, if you ask me, Musk is really just a hipper, cooler version of Bill Gates. That's going to bring you to the same place. Yeah, I mean, that's a good point, James. I mean, when, when you hear him talking about capital allocation and that being the standard by which you judge who ought to be in charge. Um, I mean, this is really just, you know, th this is really a perversion of the Catholic society known as Christendom. You wouldn't, because back then you would have someone who in charge because of his or her virtue, because of his virtue, because of his standing, because of his nobility. Uh, Musk, on the other hand, is saying, look, you should put me in charge because I know how to make good investments. Um, that's the consummate Americanist sort of like version of uh, solving problems, right? Right. Which is why, you know, I mean, like Ryan, I agree with what he just said, you know, uh, who, who are we kidding? We don't trust the government, of course, duh. But putting someone like uh, Musk in, in in place of the government, which is, I think he is uh, right now in a position where he is fronting that message. You know, he is creating this uh, illusion that the problem is just the government. But as Ryan just said, you take away the government and, you know, it's like the Scooby-Doo cartoon, right? You know, who's under this mask? You're, you you pull away the mask and who's under there? It's these technocrats, these, uh, you know, corporate uh, machinery. They sponsor a lot of people in Congress. That's just the reality of it. You know, they sponsor government. And so underneath it all, uh, if you want to trust somebody, don't let it be 
you know, either of the two. And that's kind of where where my point of view lies. Yeah. And by the way, uh, if, if you happen to have the means to own a Tesla, your Tesla will take you directly to the gulags. And the, the moment that the government doesn't want you driving anymore, they'll just hack your car and shut it down. <laughs> I mean, so. Right. Yeah. Uh, they will yeah. do that, by the way. Yeah. That's not that's not uh, crazy conspiracy theory. Mark Carney, Bank of International Settlements, all the central bankers, when they're having their meetings in the World Economic Forum, they're saying that in the future technocratic uh, world that's coming, uh, if you if they don't like what you are doing, uh, they will shut everything down. You won't get more than five or whatever, you know, five miles away from your house because they'll shut down your car and they'll shut down your money. Because that's what central bank digital currency and the technocratic system, which Musk is a part of building with all these Teslas and everything, that's what it will give the central bankers the power to do. And if you think, oh, well, they'll never do that, are you, you have to be kidding me. It would have to be a veritable angel sent from heaven to not abuse the control over all money and all finances yeah. that the central bankers are going for and all the technocrats and the industrialists. Right. So and, that's something we exactly talk about right. quite a bit. Right. On, go ahead. Let, let me just jump in here. I mean, that's exactly right what Ryan just said. Uh, cue back to, was it 2013 with uh, the journalist Michael Hastings? You know, what happened in his very expensive automobile? You know, uh, apparently his very expensive automobile ran, was it 100 miles an hour? All of a sudden picked from, you know, 20, 30 miles to 100 and ran right into a tree. And we don't know what happened. You're right. And so we're supposed to trust that everything will be okay. I just had to make this banner because I felt like we needed a banner. Soon they'll hack your cars. It's it's very foreboding. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> uh, speaking of foreboding, though, I don't have any video of this. Uh, Tucker did a really great uh, segment the other night about uh, the fact that we are hurling towards war, Brother Martin. Uh, it seems like we have more paths to World War III than we do to peace. Um, we've got tension in the Mideast at all times. We have um, now Russia lining up on the border with Ukraine. And for some reason, we care about that. I'm not I'm not quite <laughs> sure why um, China with with Taiwan. And then, you know, the Iranians are just, you know, nuts at all times. Um, are we headed for war? It seems like nothing's really changed since I've been alive. I mean, every single decade, there's there's been some sort of conflict in the Middle East, like you've been saying, um, where every generation has, has gone to do some sort of military intervention overseas, whether it be in Africa, whether it be in the Middle East, peacekeeping in Central Europe, et cetera, et cetera. There's always something going on, always something. Um, I don't know if this is like, this seems to be the exact opposite of, of, of our temperament, if you will, before getting into World War II in the sense that we had this um, just kind of neutral attitude towards Europe. And, you know, it seems that it, as if uh, Roosevelt kind of egged the Japanese on to, to attack Pearl Harbor or whatever, just so that we can get intro introduced. But that was a spirit in, in, in in the United States at the time in the 1940s, um, just not wanting to get involved. Well, now it's kind of the, ex the extreme opposite. Um, I don't know if, if it escalates to the to the level of a World War III in the sense that World War II was kind of, it was a unique war in that we were willing to drop nuclear weapons um, on other countries. Um, of course, World War I, mustard gas, it seems that there's, there's, I mean, you might know more about this than me, but different rules of engagement now um after that catastrophe of, of losing millions of lives in in the first two world wars um that it seems like we're just, we're just spreading it over you know the, the number of deaths over out over a longer period of time rather than just all within like four or five years 
Well, I, I just can't help but note that um, we're supposed to be living in an era of peace, Ryan. I, I thought that the consecration uh, was made, Our Lady of Fatima, that was fulfilled. Didn't John Paul the Great take care of this? Why are we headed towards war? So we are told. Um, and if this is an age of peace, I don't know. It's at that point where you have to reinterpret. It's just like when the evangelicals get on the rapture is going to happen on this date in 2016. Right? I don't know if you remember 2013, whenever it was that uh, Pat Robinson, no, 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 Pat Robinson, uh, one of the big gurus of the rapture was on there saying that. Then it came and it went and nothing happened. And he said, well, the rapture did happen. It happened spiritually. Now we got to wait for the physical effects to follow, which could be any time whatsoever, just so the, pro the prediction won't be proven false. So, I mean, that's literally what we have to do to Our Lady's words if we're going to maintain we are in an era of peace. Either it, it was she meant it in a way that's the opposite of peace, or I don't know, because when we get to th this situation, I don't actually, th I mean, the world is a powder keg, honestly, with between uh, Chinese tensions, Indian Pakistan tensions, uh, Australian in uh, Chinese tensions, mm -hmm. Japan and Taiwan, right? They're on alert. They're doing drills. Japan actually, it, well, it has one of the biggest military forces in the world. They're just not allowed to call it a military. It's their defense forces. Um, you know, but nevertheless, they have a very powerful military force presence that's always drilling because they're worried about a Chinese invasion. Taiwan pretty much has accepted that they're not going to get any help from the U.S. They're going to have to accept a Chinese invasion. Russia and Ukraine's a little bit different. I, I don't think that Putin is, is really ready to go to war, but he's going to do everything short of an actual you know, war to keep U.S. troops from getting in because NATO has just continued to expand ever since the end of the Cold War. Mm -hmm. And Secretary of State James Baker actually promised in 93, I don't know how many people are old enough to remember him, and as these events were unfolding, I was a teenager when these events were unfolding, very young teenager, and it, it, was, it was basically like this. Um, they, they promised Gorbachev, as he was exiting as the Soviet premier, that he would, uh, they would honor, you know, Russian sovereignty. They'd keep a buffer zone. NATO would not expand and provoke, you know, Russia, now, you know, with the Soviet Union collapsing. And that's been proven, by the way, with declassified cables. That promise was made. It used to be denied all the time. And we've done nothing since at least the baby Bush administration of, you know, getting more and more and more NATO members. We basically backed a coup in Ukraine in order to provoke, to get it to become a, a NATO member. To, you know, to further push the Russians and basically send them the message, okay, you're going to be a Western junior partner. You're not going to be running, you know, the Kremlin's not going to be in charge of the, the world system. So that's, you know, now that with the buildup between Ukraine and Russia, that's really what is going on. Putin is, is smart enough to play his chips because he knows he can't keep his troops in too many theaters at once. Uh, we, we get, for the moment anyway, we can't. And so... I don't see this as going to war, but it could if the wrong actions are done in the Brandon administration, as it were, is geared to doing everything it can to provoke the Russians. So don't expect any moves to peace there. Let me let me kick this over to James, because you have you have the fact that Brandon believes that uh, the Russians delivered the White House to Trump. Brandon voted for the invasions in Iraq and Afghanistan. Brandon has been a war hawk his entire life. James, what are the odds that he gets this right? That's a very good question. What go Brandon um, is going to get right really sort of depends on what the, the memo he's getting from intelligence is. You know, so basically he's just spitting out what intelligence is is, is, is telling him. 
Um, I I think right now, I mean, look, looking at the Grand uh, Theater, I I think um, all this is a ruse, and I think uh, he's right in saying this is not going to escalate into war because it, like Ryan just went, you know, finished saying this is. I, I think it's just a big theater in the sense that uh, everyone is kind of staking out their uh, their dominance, and Russia, in a, in a sense, has a lot more to worry about than Ukraine. It can't spread its people out thin. Uh, Ukraine, in a sense, is using this opportunity to flex the American muscle that it has. So mm. we've delivered a lot of, uh, you know, war uh, machines and uh, a certain, uh, you know, uh, artillery to uh, uh, Ukraine. And this is an opportunity for them to flex what they have. For whatever purpose, I have no idea. But I, I don't think this we're in a, in a position right now uh, in the Biden administration to do anything else than just sort of uh, pick an enemy and move. Yeah. What we're doing right now is moving ourselves in the direction of, uh, you know, averting our attention from what is really going on around the world. So this this mm -hmm. is just a, a diversionary tactic. And that's what Joe Biden's grand plan or scheme is here, I think, personally. Okay, so speaking of disinformation, this past week, Newsmax reported that Pope Francis will not make it through Christmas, Brother Martin. That sent all of the podcasters and the talking heads and the uh, chattering class into a, I think, a frenzy of some sort. Um, somebody else reported that they were preparing for a conclave. Um, I think that this is probably fake news. Um, this is disinformation, but why did it come out? Who floated it? Uh, what are your thoughts on that? If I was Ryan, I'd probably say that anything leaked is probably leaked strategically. Um, but Pope Francis has been dying since he was elected in the sense that he was elected with only one lung. Um, now he, he tends to stumble it a little bit more. We have seen within the past year, uh, the pace moving a little bit faster regarding certain reforms, especially we can see in the traditional Latin mass, things have gotten gone rather quickly within this, the past three, four months. Um, I'm no one to judge on his health. I've not met him. I can't see him. I can't diagnose him, et cetera, et cetera. Um, however, I, I think, I don't know. It's just that the Cardinal is really just finally being fed up, finally being, you know, this guy is really destroying unity in the church. Uh, we don't have the trust of our people in the dioceses anymore. You know, the ladies see, see bishops today uh, with great caution and, and almost, almost as enemies of the church. And that, and that's, and that's kind of what, what Pope Francis has fostered in the church, a great distrust uh, for our own shepherds. Mm -hmm. And, and that's not good. I mean, one, one of the triple moon or triple assignments, or if you will, of the Pope is, is to foster unity in the church. Mm -hmm. and, and this Pope has not done done that in fact it, it's he's it's almost on the exact opposite he's boasted that he'll be the one that goes down in history as the guy who caused a schism exactly <laughs> yeah, that's right that's right drop the title vicar of christ add the title schismatic i love it <laughs> <laughs> okay so let, let's go around the room i i did a quick twitter poll uh over the last 24 hours 1200 people voted in the twitter poll 44% of the 1,200 votes, unique votes on Twitter, uh, are people who either say, Benedict is Pope, there is no Pope, or I have no idea who the Pope is, but it doesn't affect my life, and I'm just going to like wait and see what happens in 200 years. James, this has to be a historical aberration of, in the numbers. They're, 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 I mean, in terms of like the history of Christendom, 
How many times do you have 44% of people who are responding to a non-scientific poll? Although I will add that others have done poll. Canon 212 did a poll. I think Marshall did a poll. And the numbers are all shaken out about the same. It's 40 to 50% of people don't think that Bergoglio, Bernolio, I don't know how to say his name, is, is the Pope. Is that a high number? You know, it used to be lower. Um, a lot more people thought he was the Pope. Uh, this is post-conclave, uh, um, just after Benedict resigned. You know, people uh, obviously gave, gave uh, every, you know, everything that happened at the time when people had a lot more trust in prelates and in conclaves. And then we have reports of what happened at the uh, conclave. Of course, um, our, our great uh, Catholic bishop, uh, a McCarrick, you know, gave uh, a tell-all uh, of what happened, and people started to ask a lot of questions. And then you have reports of what happened with uh, Sangalan Mafia, and then people started to really sort of doubt and look into the tone and the resignation letter that was written by Benedict. So all this has been brewing for the last seven, you know, seven years, you know. So with each year that's that's passing, more and more people have doubt, and for good reason. Why do they have doubt? Uh, just look at or listen to or read anything that Pope Francis uh, gets involved in. You know, his airplane interviews, uh, you know, even the slightest, uh, you know, what you seem as a, or rather what you would see as a softball question to the Pope, Pope comes around and says way too much uh, mm -hmm. and people are scandalized, you know? And so, yeah, yeah. so it's- Well, even, it's, even, even this past week, Ryan, Pope Francis has said, you know, he's impugned holy cards. He's like, well, no, no, that, that that's not that's not true piety. True piety is, you know, the god of surprises or whatever he said. I mean, come on. Well, I don't know. I, I read through that one in the transcript, and it seems that it doesn't look like he intended to denigrate holy cards specifically, even though the way he said it does look like he's doing it. But it had more of the sense of, you know, true holiness. It's not like, you know, being like some picture on a holy card. It's actually being there in the real world and doing the hard work of sanctity in the real world. And that was kind of the thrust of it. But even there, that should be an easy thing to talk about, about, you know, real sanctity, how to really be like the saints. Don't be like some picture. And a lot of, a lot of holy cards since the seventies. I mean, let's face it, they're really lacking the iconography department. You get this idealized kind of version mm -hmm. of a saint. Sometimes they're inspiring. Sometimes they're kind of blah. Um, maybe that's what he's talking about. You know, I can't say, but any type of thing like this though, he gives a, you know, a comment, it's ambiguous. And because he, he he's often denigrating people, he'll talk about rigidity and and then he he demonstrates himself to be the most rigid person that can be. He's talking about spiritual joy and he shows himself to be one of the least joyful people. Um, th there's just a lot of hypocrisy in everything this Pope has done since the moment he walked out on the balcony of, of St. Peter's. So what about what about his comments this week, Ryan, that, you know, that the sins of the flesh, the six and nine commandment, they're not they're not super serious. Even even Father Matthew Schneider of the Legionaries of Satan got on Twitter and was like, oh, he's so right. You know, I, there, right. Are, there are really serious things. It's the seamless garment thing, you know, like yeah. stop focusing on life and, and your body and focus on youth unemployment, for God's sakes. <laughs> right. And that's another one where uh, in reality, there there are degrees of how bad these things are. But if they're all mortal sins, there's a certain level where it, eschatologically it doesn't really matter. You're still going to go to hell for that. So <laughs> why, you know, I mean, it's like it's one thing for a distinction amongst theologians. Um, and we, 
they, there used to be an, an awareness of this fact that you're not going to talk about uh, going into complicated hair splitting th distinctions among theologians when you're trying to catechize the faithful about basic things. Mm -hmm. uh, it's like if you want to like certain things in like moral theology, the principle that if a person labors under the idea that such and such is a mortal sin, uh, but it actually isn't but they commit it anyway against their conscience as a mortal sin. They're actually guilty of a mortal sin. That's, yeah. a, that's in moral theology there. That's for the priest to, to deal with in the confessional with the, the, um, the penitent, but that's not something you get up in the pulpit and start talking about, get people all mixed up. Cause you know, people are going to get mixed up and confused by that. So in, in this whole thing with, with Francis in the, in the caresses, but it, it's, it's asinine at so many levels because let's look, <laughs> This bishop uh, is admitting to having Can I, just say, I I don't want I don't want Francis caressing me. Yeah. <laughs> I just, Him and Joe can Biden. I just say that? Right. Is that yeah. controversial to say? It shouldn't be. I don't be. want him or any but, bishop caressing yeah. I don't want anybody, you know, especially, I mean. Caresses and the massages. World. Let's get right. it right. Caresses and yeah, massages. Right. I don't want to have an encounter with any of these people. If I, if I were a priest or a bishop. All right. And, you know, like way back in the day, 100 years ago, uh, you know, you could expect priests, hey, uh, great job, boy. You know, give him attaboy in the back, uh, you know, high five a kid, show show real just man, manly affection for, for, for children, young men, young women, et cetera. Now, if I were a priest or a bishop, um, I would be terrified. I, I, even as a, a married husband and father, I'm terrified mm -hmm. in large crowds. I put my hands here, put my hands behind my back. I want to know where they are at all times. I do not want to accidentally bump in to some woman and say, oh, he touched me. Same thing if I were a priest or a bishop. You know, you, you, you should, given everything that's happened in the church in, uh, since, you know, before 20 years before Vatican II, when these cases started coming around, uh, you should be on absolute 100% guard to make sure nobody can accuse you of things, right? So yeah. if yeah, you're completely yeah. deaf to this, this, the reality of the world, and you're sitting there caressing and massaging some woman as the Archbishop of Paris has confessed to be doing, that is actually a serious error in his judgment. Yeah, it's not as bad as him fornicating or diddling little boys, which he should be hanged, drawn, and quartered for, but it's still it's still bad, right? And, and France is like, oh, oh well, because he, he's one of him. He, he's super lefty i know but the, it's sad the, to lose the french, them the french are a little more touchy though you know that they have a, well, they have Italians, a personal space in americans we're puritans Nobody. here ryan so i mean the, the real it's one of those areas where so many things about this pope have just put people off so i'm actually uh, not surprised it's true. it's true let me kick it over to brother brother martin okay. why are 44 percent of people in the respondents why why did i get 1200 votes with with almost half of them saying that pope francis either isn't the pope or he may not be the pope or they have doubts about it i don't know if it's necessarily a uh a declaration juridically regarding canon law saying you know it, it doesn't fit he's, he's not actually pope i think this is really people expressing their frustration the fact that they can't square it in their minds how a pope can be this bad in the sense of really not teaching the faith. Like he, he's done everything but teach the faith um, in his eight, nine years as as pope. He's met with the world leaders and talked about politics, climate change, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but when, when, we, when, we, when we go to the internet to listen to the pope speak, we expect to receive some sort of consolation, some sort of reinforcement to live the terrible to live in the terrible times that we're living in because it's like we, I mean, started off the run of talking about, these are, these are dangerous times. These are crazy times. Um, but when we go and listen to the 
Pope speak, he's bashing holy cards. He's bashing priests that wear lays. He's bashing Saturnos. He's bashing piety. He's bashing people for sending him a rosary bouquet instead of just praying for him. He, he's, ba he's bashing all the things that are, that are typical of, of Catholics doing and, and praying and dedicating their, their time to, to spiritual things as opposed to baneless uh, uh, temporal things. And nobody is ever really receiving some sort of consolation except for those who want to continue a life in grave sin. Those are the people, like in, through Amoris Letizia, who want to consider or want to continue living in a, in, in a state of adultery. They get consolation from this guy. But those of us who actually want to live chastely, what, what kind of uh, consolation do we get? Oh, sexual sins aren't that bad. Um, no, nobody who actually wants to live the Catholic faith has, has really received any sort of consolation from the words of this of this pope. And I think that's why it, these polls are so bad is because we're, we're just fed up. I think the age of the uh, celebrity pope is over. Um, just to wrap up this segment, I, I don't. I don't think that we're going to see a, a John Paul like um, charismatic, uh, you know, mass crowds, affectionate crowds anymore. I think people are going to go back to a more proper understanding of the papacy. That's just a. That's just a thought. Um, okay, inflation. We have to talk about inflation. What is inflation? Inflation is the decrease of the purchasing power of your U.S. dollar. Your greenback is worth less today than it ever was before. And in fact, our inflation rate this year, this month, this week, is the highest, James, in almost 40 years. What are the central banks doing to curb inflation? Isn't that why they exist? I think some of them are fighting racism, though. It's weird. Yeah. A lot of banks are focused on being woke than actually, um, you know, giving us policies that actually give us a strong economy. And it's it's pretty laughable. I mean, inflation right now is through the roof. Uh, your regular families are struggling to make Christmas ends meet. And instead, we're talking about woke policies across the board. Uh, central banks concerned, you know, they want to know how woke uh, you know, each each of their uh, banks are and what their employees are doing to create a safety uh, place for people of whatever it is, uh, color or, or race or, uh, you know, uh, gender assignments and, and, and all that nonsense, you know. And of course, uh, people are fed up with that. And uh, I don't know if this is going to end anytime soon, but it's, a, it's another uh, distraction. It's a huge uh, distraction from problems that actually exist. Um, Inflation is a man-made tax. It is, a, yeah. it, is a, it is designed by human beings. It is an insidious secret tax that we all pay, Ryan. Um, we are all paying the price. This is a way for federal governments to spend money and inflate away and abstract away the, the debt that they incur because the purchasing power of the dollar goes down and therefore the stated amount of the debt uh, is abstracted away. This is something that is not taught in economics, that's not taught in schools, is not taught in finance. Even when I, in my postgraduate financial work, uh, summa cum laude, by the way, um, for those who have uh, listed my uh, degrees online and, and um, parts of my household as well, uh, <laughs> I want to just get the uh, GPA right. Um, but the point is, Ryan, I didn't, I, I took for granted in graduate level financial classes that inflation is a constant it is part of our economy it is how things run it is just it is it is just uh, a known 3% that you include in all financial modeling in all mathematical equations in the time value of money um 
But what we are never taught is that inflation doesn't have to exist. It is, it is an option. We choose it. We're right. actually making an active choice. It's just part of the world. Because they, they, they teach essentially that as long as, uh, you know, those who have the max, the, the holdings of dollars in society continue to invest those dollars so that they can be earned, then the hamster wheel will keep moving and they can print more money or it doesn't really matter. The inflation is, you know, that'll be solved by real world investment and all these things. And so it, it doesn't really matter. These, you know, inflationary and deflationary spirals that are created by the Fed. Essentially. So and that and that's the problem is not having sun money. Now, let's be clear, you can you can inflate gold, you can inflate silver by when you have officially minted coins and you have fewer grains of gold and fewer grains of silver in that particular thing. You bastardize the mm. the, the with some kind of alloy to uh, and you see this happening in the Roman Empire when they're hard up for money, the government's hard up for money. So it'll start issuing a brand new currency with fewer grains of gold and people figure it out. People weigh it. It doesn't take very long for people to figure out it's not worth as much as it used to be. And guess what? And there's going to be more of it because you're stretching that limited gold across. So dollars, fiat money just makes it 10 times easier. And at this point, I mean, they're printing at such a level, the way in which they're printing basically means they've already given up on the dollar. They are waiting for the dollar to collapse. And we'll see like a Weimar 2.0. That's why they are printing like it's going out of style. I think that I think that is the most important point probably of this podcast and perhaps of the entire calendar year. And I and I say that as a look back at the here we are midway through December. I think that is the most important point made on the rundown that the that the central banks, the federal banks around the world, they're not long on the dollar. They're short on the dollar. They're planning for it to fail. In fact, they're engineering the failure of the dollar. And I think that is the most grave an important thing that we could even potentially talk about tonight, Ryan, because the fact of the matter is, is that everything that we own, everything that we buy, and even how we think is denominated in terms of U.S. dollars. What is a house worth? Well, I think about it in dollars. What is a candy bar worth? Well, it's worth so many dollars. They've trained us to think in terms of dollars, but what is a dollar actually? What is it? What is the, what is the quid est of the thing? It is a fiat piece of paper that, that that has no actual meaning except for what Elon Musk said, the monopoly of violence. Mm-hmm. We know that you can trade that dollar. Or basically, you can give that dollar back to the government to pay your taxes. So therefore, everybody is willing to take it. And that's why the dollar is valuable. Historically, that's how every government has gotten currency to travel is you require payment of that in taxes. Now, if we got to a sound money system and we got away from all that that type of a system, uh, you don't need that kind of incentive. You can because you just have a basket of currencies and they they literally will find their own value, which is that it will just be the case where that property owners will take this. They'll they'll have whether it's precious gems and silver. And then you could even do certificates for product, which is basically money that represents value. Some product will be valuable as people will be able to do self-issued credit, especially if they have highly consumable goods, such as food, such as bread, a certificate for so many loaves of bread at the baker or so many bits of groceries at this store. The grocer wants to pay for a dress with, all right, now, now, whatever that particular value is, 35 units value for this dress at my store for my product. Right. And so you cut short because all money is basically something to simplify barter. It's to make it's a medium of exchange. It's not wealth in and of itself. It, it represents the wealth you can obtain in the real world of goods and services. And that's the other thing, too, with money. 
I mean, you probably went all through your economics courses and you probably never, you know, got a, a good class on what money really is, let alone what fractional reserve lending, you know, really is, not just what they tell you about it. And you probably mm-hmm. found that after the fact, like, well, why didn't anybody tell me this? Oh, yeah. No, I was in my 30s when I discovered fractional reserve lending and what it actually was. And by, by that point, I had done a billion dollars of mergers and acquisitions activities of commercial banks, of banks. Right. I mean, you know, what's really funny is a lot of people don't think about this, but the, the reality is you go to a bank with $50,000 on Wednesday and maybe two months down the line, you want to get your $50,000 back. The banks may tell you, sorry, we can't give you back all your money at once. Your next question is, wait a second, I just gave you this money a week or three weeks ago. How come you don't have it with you? Well, we actually loaned all of it out plus a lot more. So we don't actually have your money with us. And then they start asking, how is this possible? And then that's how they realize, well, there's such a thing called fractional reserve banking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and this is basically highway robbery, which has been allowed you know, to exist. And it's legal. Yeah. It is. It's not only is it legal, it's encouraged. And that's what's so that's what's so uh, remarkable and striking about this whole arrangement. And and this is a good point that you brought up, James, because when you put ten dollars into the bank, the right. bank can hold that ten dollars and then lend 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 out hold hold the ten dollars as reserves and then lend out a hundred dollars, and they're holding ten percent in reserves. Right. So the ninety dollars that didn't exist before now comes into existence and it needs to be printed and it needs to be created. It didn't, it didn't exist before. So fractional reserve lending has an inflationary effect on the economy. Direct, if you put your $10 in directly. and the bank holds that $10 in reserve, they then create $90 that never existed before. And they eventually they go to the central bank and they say, Hey, I need 90 bucks. And they print it and they lend it and it goes out into the economy. Think about that. I mean that I mean how how can the how can the dollar retain the purchasing power that it used to have when we have this system that mm-hmm. is so inflationary in at its core fractional reserve lending uh federal reserve notes uh non you know non gold backed currency uh fiat currency etc it is and, ba- and not to mention the bailouts and and the qu- quantitative easing and all of mm-hmm. the all of the uh things that are happening it's it's just it's just insane James I'll give you the last word on this segment well, you've hit it on the head, you know, uh, the creature from Jekyll Island. That's kind of what we're dealing with. And uh, the more we move away from sound economic principles, the more we're going to suffer. Uh, and, you know, this next point coming along now with the economy is uh, hyperinflation, which we're already experiencing. But what really happens when there's a huge crash, for instance, in the markets, you know, everything goes haywire. And now banks are going to be calling in their loans. What happens mm-hmm. to the common man then, you know, who's basically having uh you know a, a car note or a house note you know he becomes homeless becomes unable uh, unable to travel for work you know so the economy is really going to crash and people are not going to know exactly how to deal with it and this is why we need to start taking steps to understand how economy works and how we ought to pre- uh, protect ourselves from what's yeah. coming because it's going to come and here's the thing, like, I okay, I'm getting a super chat here because people just want me to say the word. Yeah, I'll say the word. The <laughs> People, it, it's not a big secret. The Federal Reserve Bank is neither federal nor a bank. 
It's not federal because it's not owned by the government. It's a private corporation. It's not a bank because it doesn't take deposits and make loans. It just creates money. The shareholders of the Federal Reserve is a short list of people that we don't get to. We don't we don't get to know who they are. Do I think that the Rothschilds are big owners of the Federal Reserve Bank? Yes, I do. Do I think that the British Crown is a big shareholder in the Federal Reserve Bank of the United States? Yes, I do. I mean, this is not a big secret. This is not like a, a big conspiracy theory. You can look at it. You can like, like you can peel these things back. You can publicly verify the fact that the Federal Reserve Bank of the United States of America is not federal. And it's not a bank. So we're talking about a private institution that sort of quasi is owned by some private shareholders. And we don't get to know who those people are. Well, whoever those people are, and I think you and I all know who those people are, they're the most powerful people in the world. And they don't want you to know this fact, even though it's it's absolutely admitted in all their documents. You can check out uh, James Corbett's Century of Enslavement, uh, his documentary on the Federal Reserve. You get it from his website, CorbettReport.com, because it's been banned on YouTube. Um, the, the, the reality is that that documentary got attacked directly uh, in the economics journals, everything run by the Fed. And what was that documentary? It is nothing but it, it basically shining the light on fe government Federal Reserve documents uh, in, in the like, you know, from the, ev everywhere that we can find. It was all based on the Fed's own documentation. No conspiracy theory in it. Nothing crazy. That's literally what it was. Um, and that was banned as misinformation way back when, uh, in 2017, 2018, the attack on that documentary started. So they don't want you to know that information that the Federal Reserve is, in fact, a private bank. Every mm -hmm. once in a while, they'll subtly admit, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but well, you don't want government running the, the, the fiscal policy, do you? You know how incompetent government is. It's like, funny, why don't you guys acknowledge that on virtually everything else you stick your fingers into that you make worse, which is everything? <laughs> I love it. Um, I love it. Okay. Uh, hate crimes against Catholics in DC. I have a video for this. Where is it? This is the National Basilica in Washington, DC. Wow. At least he's wearing a mask. Yeah, I was gonna say, at least he's keeping he's he's keeping grandma safe. Oh my gosh. That 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 just hurts. Okay, so the guy defaces the face of Our Lady. He's wearing a mask, so he's safe from COVID. So probably <laughs> that's a plus. Our Lady's going to get uh, COVID. Brother Martin, we have seen an uptick in these attacks, especially in Canada. We've seen them in the United States. Uh, since the BLM summer of 20-whatever, 2020, um, the attacks on Catholic churches have accelerated. This man will very likely not be charged with a hate crime because the uh, anti-Catholic bias is the last acceptable bias in the United States. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I mean, our bishops did it to us first back in the 60s. They, they desecrated our sanctuaries. They removed all the statues from our sanctuaries. Um, so I, I doubt, I mean, given that the, the Novus Ordo is the, the common liturgy there, I doubt anybody's really going to bat an eye. They'll just probably just re replace whatever statue was there if anybody even notices that, that it was messed up i mean maybe one person did and reported it but i i mean um yeah i mean it, it is said that the, that the anti-catholic bias is the prevailing bias in this country and, and that's just something that we have to accept unfortunately 
Yeah, and it's not going to get any better in the future, James. In fact, I think anti-Catholic bias in these United States is going to get worse, especially against um, practicing Orthodox, conservative, traditionalist Catholics, people who take their faith seriously, people who await the consecration of Russia, people who uh, are staunchly anti-communist and anti-Americanist. Those people, we, the four of us for sure, are never going to be accepted in these United States. It's a terrible tragedy that uh, today such a thing can happen and there's not a public outcry from even the secularists who back then, uh, pre-1962 Vatican II Council would have for sure uh, said something vociferously. You know, this is an anti-Catholic attack, and yet we we see this, and it's being played. That video is being played um, all over right now, and nothing is being done about it. You know, uh, not not a hate crime. It's certainly a hate crime against me. I feel that I am being attacked more than that. Obviously, my mother is being attacked, and if mm-hmm. I saw such a thing happening in front of me, uh, you know, God help whoever the perpetrator is. You know, such a thing mm-hmm. today uh, is being allowed. Our bishops are so uh, pusillanimous. You know, they're not sure how to react because they don't want to overreact in their sense of, uh, you know, of understanding the word. Overreacting would mean to actually call such a thing a hate crime or a crime in itself. You know, so they're willing to sort of placate the secular state. You know, well, you know, mm-hmm. we don't want to draw too much attention to this, you know, uh, but it's a, it's, it's a mistake because the more we allow such a thing to happen, like you just you know, mentioned, it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse, and the attacks are going to become more and more out in the open. We saw this already in 2020. There's been a small dialing back, but it's going to get worse. It has to get worse, because we're not giving ourselves over to God on a daily basis. We're actually doing the opposite, you know? Yeah. Now, this is... we, we, We choose... Go ahead. Preparing for it to get worse, I think, is is what I want to kick over to Ryan, because I, I agree with you, James. I think it is going to get worse. And the fact of the matter is, Ryan, that you may be able to fend yourself and your family from one guy, two guys, three guys. When you start to have an anti-Catholic mob, when you start to have Antifa or Black Lives Matter, and the police can't can't protect you, and you cannot defend yourself or your family against an entire mob, you have the absolute right to band together with your fellow Catholic, arm in arm, to protect not only yourself, but to protect the patrimony of your parish. Mm-hmm. One of the best things you can do is, you know, form networks that, that have rapid communication by phone or whatever, and just, just get bodies out there with whatever weapons you have at hand. Um, because that, that really is the, the, the fastest and best way for deterrent. Uh, the bigger problem we're going to have is when mobs show up. Um, and if we saw it from, you learned anything from last year, the government is going to back Antifa. The government, if you, if a whole bunch of guys come on your property and brandish weapons and threaten you, and you do what any reasonable person under reasonable circumstances do, and you fight back and you fire back, or you yourself, you know, have your weapon just at the ready. I don't suggest you ever point your gun at a person unless you are ready to shoot them dead. Just, just keep that in mind. Remember that Kansas City couple that. Um, you know, we're pointing their weapons, but you have that ready. And if they are ready to shoot you, you shoot them dead. Um, But on the other side, you're going to get the prosecutors coming. So you need also to work in your community, work with the cops whenever you can, especially your sheriffs, because the local cops are owned by city hall, but the sheriffs, at least for the moment, 
you know, wherever you have constitutional sheriffs and the sheriff actually cares, you know, network with them. Right. Because they're part of your community, too. They live here, too. Right. And, and get them on your side. And that's one of the bigger things that, that you can do to, to help and then have those rapid response numbers within your Catholic parish. So you live in this region of where the parish is. We're going to get you, you and you and you. We're going to call you up when an emergency happens and get you in action. These are things that are easy to set up. Do not set up militias. I say it again. Do not set up militias because you, you will be at the top of an FBI watch list and probably have FBI agents join it. And then you can't even your- say the word. You can't even yeah. say the M word. You say yeah. the M word. You're on a no fly. Oh, list. yeah, exactly. You're a domestic terrorist at that point. Don't do it. Don't make one. Uh, and if you have your own little fraternal group for setting it up, don't breathe a word of it on social media, on your phone, on in a text, in a signal chat. Don't mm-hmm. do it. Just, you know, set that up. I, I think it's better for people that have general training, you know, and then if they want to do a class or something like that with someone who's been in the military and give, you know, a little tactical advice, that's all good and, you know, fine. And in fact, everyone, you know, I could bend, I've been shooting for a long time, but I can benefit from that. And if I meet, especially really smart vet, retired cop, whatever, and he's got experience that I certainly don't have as a civilian, I'm more than happy to learn and receive and do, and do better, do more. But that's the reality. So, uh, Stay away from... The stuff that's going to get you on the government hit list. Right. So I have a question for you, Ryan. Would it be easier to start this training with, say, perhaps possums? <laughs> Especially. <laughs> no. I mean, possums are such a nuisance. I mean, they should be eliminated off the face of the planet. Yeah, if you don't live in not create possums. If you don't live in a city, if you're, you know, not a city person, you know, totally disconnected from nature and reality and everything else, you know that possums are actually best kept away. And if they, you know, they are a nuisance and they are a pest. Sorry, that's just the reality. Of it. Anyway. They they kill your chickens, <laughs> they eat your eggs, and you're just like, ah, dude, I spent so much time on that. Um, we got to start talking about the uh, the pandemic. Can we talk about the pandemic? Yes, dude. Can I say scamdemic? I don't know if you can. <laughs> I don't know if you're allowed to say that anymore. I I just don't know. Um, let, let me first of all, is this normal? Uh, yes or no? Hey Google, sing a song. Okay, I can't do this. It goes on. It's torture. You're torturing our listeners, Mike. There's so many stanzas and so many verses of this song. I mean, why why is this happening? Here, here, is this normal? Thank you, Speaker. My question is for the Minister of Health. Earlier this year, doctors said it was okay for pregnant mothers to get the vaccine. And now we're seeing substantial rise in stillbirths. Speaker, to the Minister, I, look, I'm only reporting what I've discovered. Here, what Trish had publicly stated is a well-known in the midwifery community that people opting for the jab have seen stillbirth rates rise exponentially. Speaker, we have heard from a hospital joint chief of staff stating that the rise in stillbirths is erroneous. Well, I've been informed by frontline healthcare workers who have witnessed this tragedy firsthand. They've chosen to report these stillbirths to protect the public. We also know that CPSO and hospitals are muzzling staff. If these incidents are not being reported properly, then in my opinion, it's medical fraud. 
So my question to the minister is, who do you believe, hospital administration or frontline nurses and doctors who are willing to risk it all? Thank you very much. That concludes our question period for this morning. That's a non-answer. The guy literally didn't answer the question. He did not answer the question. Here's the funeral director in England. Hi, guys. Um, so just a quick update from me. Um, for those of you who don't know me, my name's John. I'm a funeral director based in Milton Keynes. Um, uh, uh, I run a, a funeral home called Milton Keynes Family Funeral Services. Uh, and a quick search uh, online for that um, will find me and verify who I am. So uh, many of you will know me, um, so I'll just give you an update as to where we are at this time, and it is the 6th of December um, 2021. So what we're seeing is a large number, an unnaturally large number of deaths due to heart attack, stroke, aneurysm, um, and these are all as a direct result of thrombosis embolisms um, in the lungs, the legs, various places. Um, uh, Okay, I can't show the whole video or we'll get banned, but here's the CEO of Pfizer saying that all these people are criminals. But there is a very small part of professionals which they circulate on mm. purpose misinformation so that they will mislead those that they have concerned. Those people are criminals. They're not bad people. They're criminals because they literally costed millions of lives. And, and should be treated as criminals as well. Okay, so Pfizer's going to make $36 billion in profit this year. Pfizer is the most criminal company in the history of the United States that has paid the highest fines for criminal activity of any company in the history true. of the U.S. That's but objectively they're, true. They're going to call you know anyone who they... Because basically, in, interfering with their ability to maximize their profits, you're going to call them criminals. James, uh, can you come up with a business plan where the government takes the risk for you gives you the money you invest the government's money you're indemnified against anyone getting hurt and then you get to keep 36 billion dollars is that a pretty good business plan sign me up for that you know you know, you know what you talk about if i can get a gig i want that business plan <laughs> if i can get a gig like that i wouldn't even be on the show i mean what am i doing here <laughs> I was, I mean, what kind we're, we're talking about the biggest financial fraud in the history of mankind, in the history yeah. of mankind. And the, and, and anyone who disagrees, brother Martin is a criminal. Are you a criminal brother Martin? <laughs> no, I'm not. Not only that, but I mean, people, they, they tend to focus on other stories than to attack, say a priest who promotes this kind of uh, injection or whatever you want, want, want to call it uh, to Catholics saying it's an act of mercy, it's an act of charity, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, every medicine that you've ever taken is, was um, tested on the HEK 293 cell line or whatever. So everything is remote material cooperation. They don't focus on that. They, they, they perfectly allow him to go and promote those kinds of things, but they go digging in dumpsters for, for other kinds of things that they might, they might, be able to spew as, as fraud, which actually isn't because they haven't, they can't even get answers from those own institutions uh, because they realize, you know, these people are going to make money off of, off of, off of whatever they report, but they're not going to give me any sharing. So why should I answer their questions? I mean, it's not a lack of transparency. It's like, why do I, why, why should I spend my time? Uh, um, but yeah, it's like, they, they don't, they don't attack any of these people like father Matthew Schneider who, who go out and promote these, th these things. Um, so, yeah. 
I, I just want to give a shout out to uh, Dr. Paul Casey, who yes. absolutely just like dispatched with that legionary of Satan, Father Matthew Schneider, who's been he's personally responsible for the disruption and uh, the ending of several people's careers, um, especially military people. Military people have had their careers ended by Father Matthew Schneider, uh, who falsely says and 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 i think we should say it's a lie because he's had 18 months of correction public mm-hmm. correction by medical doctors and experts and he is um he, he continues to lie so now at this point we know it's a lie but he says that tylenol was tested on aborted fetal cells no it wasn't tylenol was developed without aborted fetal cells um aleve was uh, was developed without uh, fetal cells um, you know, so the, the the fact that they were maybe maybe tested later on after their development, after their commercial viability, after they were available on the shelves, doesn't mean that the that testing is integral to the development of the thing. Whereas, uh, anyway, I I don't want to get sidetracked. I would but, also say also in, uh, to Lena that that I I have emailed uh, the diocese in which Father Matthew Schneider resides. Mm-hmm. Um, he's made it public. It's Arlington, Virginia. Um, his some some members of his community, legionaries of Christ, have directly reported uh, helped me go along the path to to whom I should report him to. Um, first first and foremost was the 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 vicar for clergy, Father Paul Scalia, um, and they were all very responsive. Within a day, I got emails back for them telling them you know help, helping me along to whom I should I should report him to. Yeah. I emailed over a month and a half ago, almost two months now. Um, the direct superior, Father Matthew Schneider, and I've yet even to receive a li- uh, a, re- a receipt for receiving my email uh, of of the fact that his Father Matthew Schneider's articles are being cited as authoritative medical sources to denying people their religious exemptions. He yeah. is directly responsible for people losing their jobs, and you can this you can is- also presume that for losing their lives as well if they actually believe him. This is the type. Of disinformation that if you're a professional Catholic, if you get paid to talk into a microphone, which none of the four of us do, if you profess to be a news organization, this is the type of disinformation that you should be focusing your efforts on. If if you're thinking about where can I make a difference, Father Matthew Schneider is where you can make a difference. That's where you can make a difference. That's where if you if you look at the facts about what this man has said online and the lives that he has altered for the worse, this is where – and kudos to Matt Gaspers and Dr. Brian McCall at Catholic Family News for carrying this article. It did take me like 37 minutes to read it. <laughs> it took me a long time. I'm a slow reader. It took me a long time to read it. <laughs> but it's punch after punch. Like there's no run. He can't run from this. I mean, there, it, it literally, it corners him. And, and the only thing he can do is surrender. If he does anything else, then then you, really it's, there, there, there's no correcting the guy. He's, he's, he's a But fraud. you said this well, brother. I, I mean, brother, he's had uh, more than a year to correct. Uh, he's been pointed to uh, in many, many posts to make mm-hmm. this correction, but he has been stubborn, steadfastly stubborn on mm-hmm. this issue. Who knows why? I have no idea. But like he said, you know, initially you can kind of say, well, he has concerns about this or that, you know, maybe he's not given all the information, but he has all the information at his fingertips right now. Yeah, and he has had this information for a long time and still has not made any re- retractions. 
And yet, and I think uh, a lot of people, I think a lot of people are not aware of the history of the order, Ryan. I mean, right. the, the Legionnaires of Christ, Legionnaires of Christ. I, I call them the Legionnaires of Satan. They were founded by a satanic pedo rapist who was endorsed by JP2, who was exalted by JP2. And this order, the LCs, Ryan, correct me if I'm wrong, they were proposed as the future of the church. These are the conservative reactionaries. These are the, these are the ones who are going to implement Vatican II, these guys. And it turns out that there are hundreds, maybe thousands of children, women, men who are abused in their wake in this path of destruction. And this man is a member of that order and he gets away with literal murder and, uh, and nobody cares. You're right, because a lot of it did get swept under the rug. I mean, for years, reports were going into the Vatican, and John Paul II, for whatever reason, was enamored of of Maciel, uh, Marcia Maciel Degolado, the founder of the Legionnaires. Um, On top of that, he came from communist Poland, where it was a common tactic of the Soviets to smear a priest or a bishop by alleging that he had he was in in uh, you know committed sexual abuse or had images of children or what have you you know back in the day they had to actually slip photographs into your suitcase because they didn't have the internet yet and things of that sort but um, that that's so John Paul II was used to that type of thing so when he's seen these legit reports he fell back on his the connection and the cult of personality with Marcio Massa de Galado and said no 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 he he couldn't have done that no 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 never. Um, and that's how that continued for years. And it was Pope Benedict who finally put the kibosh. But even then, uh, the, the legionnaires had a lot of power in bad places in the church with the powers that shouldn't be. A lot of money. Um, I know of, I don't know him personally, but I know of a priest who is now a traditional priest who used to be a legionnaire. And he was instructed to hand over envelopes to cardinals and things like that, not knowing what was in them. Little did he know it was a cash payoff to various cardinals you know, to, to continue to protect Masiel. Mm-hmm. So it is, it was absolutely, the Vatican found absolutely that Masiel had sexually abused his own biological children. He had sodomized his own biological children. He had affair, multiple affairs with women. All right. All while being a priest, by the way, uh, and the head of this order and, and depicted it by this order as a saint. Uh, these are all in the findings of the Vatican report and, and other sexual abuse, not to mention that, but he protected legionaries that were high up in the administration of the order that also violated children or, or had affairs and double lives and, and whatnot with, with multiple women. Uh, Masiel wasn't the only one. He really communicated that spirit in the order. So as far as being a, a Satanist, um, you know, that that's there's good evidence for that. It doesn't have the same grounding as the judgment that the Vatican had under Benedict. But that order should have been entirely wiped away. That's what you do when the founder, the guy who founded and imparted the charism of this religious order is found mm-hmm. to be a pedophile who, by the way, died in penitent. So Pope mm-hmm. Benedict sent priests to hear his final confession. He chased him out of the room. So it's just, he, remarkable. it's just remarkable to me that we have an American member of the Legionnaires of Christ who is publishing disinformation and zero investigations are happening by the so-called Catholic media into this guy. You know, like, like I just can't fathom that. Makes you wonder if he has a prayer card of Marcel Marcel on his, uh, (laughs) (laughs) right. Right. Oh my goodness. Okay. What's that? 
Um, as we're you know kind of talking about the money, the pharmaceuticals, and all these things, there's just a series of data points I want to connect for people and encourage people to do their own research. Uh, the Glane Maxwell trial is going on right now. No one is allowed to really report on this, talk about this. The judges sealed the evidence in the Glane Maxwell case. The um, people open accounts on on, on Twitter, Go, uh, Maxwell trial uh, account follower, or whatever. They get shut down within an hour of being opened up. They get shut down. Same thing on Fedbook. Uh, you know, people trying to re- you know do live feeds of the trial got shut down. It's just not happening. They're not allowing that to get out. The Glenn Maxwell trial is a mop up operation, right? Because they, they they I don't think they expected the response they got when they suicided uh, Epstein because that is the thing. Epstein didn't kill himself. It is the you know everywhere you find that all the time. Um, and yet, you know, so here we are, they're trying to quietly close up and get rid of all of this information. Now, let's connect all the data points. Who is Epstein? Epstein's not just a financier. He has Mossad connections as well as U.S. intelligence connections. You don't create a pedophile island and traffic women just for this mere fun of it. It's and invite all the big wigs to come join you and have, you know, cocktails afterward. It's all about blackmail. It is about it's getting the blackmail operation. under control. Yeah, it was absolutely an intelligence operation. Ghislaine Maxwell's father was an MI6 agent who actually stole a lot of his software espionage from the United States. There's a journalist who died in that whole business investigating that, Danny Castellaro, if you want to investigate that more. But more to the point, operations like Epstein's are not just about the blackmail. It's also about funneling money and getting money into black projects, money into the books of government agencies, whatever. Trump in 2018 signed FASB 56. This allowed all the governments, uh, all the government agencies to take their books out, out of the public viewing. They can make up whatever budgetary numbers they want. They don't need black ops anymore. And it was shortly after that, that Epstein uh, uh, was, you know, the reporting begins, he's arrested again, and then he's in jail. And of course, uh, didn't hang himself. Um, and so on and so forth. Right. So, I mean, just put all those things together, the trillions being fleeced out of, you know, through government investment, right, into into Pfizer, and then the trillions, you know, being fleeced off us, the American people, as they continue to print this money, who does it go to? It ain't going to us. It's not going to Black Lives Matter people on the ground hoping to start businesses or get a better life. It ain't going to them. Um, You know, it's not going to all the people they say they care about. It's going to the guys on Wall Street. It's going to the Federal Reserve Bank. It's going right back there. And that's where all that is. So the whole thing is just a big fleecing operation, just like the jab. Everything to do with it. It's a fleecing operation. And it traces right back through all this Epstein stuff. So to answer. I just want to say this. Right. I just want to say this. (laughs) (laughs) Ryan is right. Let's hear it. (laughs) I I think we can say the word scandemic. (laughs) This is going to be the last show.
Say what you will about the French, but they are willing to defend their parishes. This is the French traditionalists who are defending their parish and preventing it from becoming a concert venue. Uh, how cool would that be? You know, in the United States, we have turned many parishes and um, basilicas into uh, vaccine centers. Imagine if traditionalists were locked arm and arm to prevent that from happening, Brother Martin. How cool would that be? Actually, I found it kind of weird, actually. When I lived in Italy, I lived in Italy for a year back in 2013, 2014. I mean, the sanctuaries of churches became conference centers. Literally, it was nothing to be in this massive Baroque church, marble, absolutely everywhere. Absolutely stunning. You know, n no church in the United States even can compare it to, to just a normal parish in Rome. But they just put a table right in front of the table, uh, the picnic table right there in the middle of the sanctuary, right stands before the high altar. So there's a high altar, there's a picnic table, and then the conference table. Where they sit down, they put microphones on the table, they put a bottle of fizzy water each on, you know, in front of the chairs, and they just have a little conference there. It, it's totally normal for them. It, well, it's become normal to them ever since they uh, they put the picnic table in the middle of the sanctuary. But that's a, uh, I don't know. It's, it, it is inspiring to see people in France because it is it is Europe. Um, I don't know if, if modernism. Well, for sure, it, it's there's a different kind of modernism in Europe. It's it's a lot more intense. It's a lot more secular um, than at least here. We have at least a few strongholds, a few a few trad parishes in each each uh, diocese. Um, but it is inspiring to see, especially a lot of young people go and link arms and, and protect. Uh, who, I mean, who knows if even the traditional Latin mass, I don't know much about this scenario. Who knows if the traditional Latin mass was even said there, but nonetheless, it's a house of our Lord um, and they go and defend it. Um, it should be inspiring to all of us. Mike, you're muted. There's a video I like to play. I don't have it queued up, James, um, but it shows the French traditionalists um, arm in arm, and they actually um, reopen one of their parishes uh, that was closed by their bishop. Um, say what you will about the French, James, but uh, you know when you talk about the society, the fraternity, the institute, all French. They're all French. Yeah. You know what's interesting uh, about that last video you, sh you showed of uh, Nantes? Uh, that's in West uh, France, I suppose, maybe uh, very close to Vendée. And so back back in the days of the French Revolution, uh, there was this, uh, you know, uh, I guess they worked together at some point to sort of push back the revolutionaries as they were making their way across France. So it's interesting that this spirit of revolt against secularism is still sort of in the people of that region and so it's, it's a it's a great thing to see that they're fighting back pushing back against uh you know what is i guess the first des desecration would have been vatican too but this desecration of having a and you know what many has been calling her a pop uh musician this was not a, just any pop musician there was a person who's been accused of singing uh songs that probably uh, were alluding to some sort of Satanist worship. So this this is why there was a huge uh, force pushing back against this, not wanting her to come in there and desecrate this. And it's a wonderful thing to see the spirit of the Vandians, you know, being alive here doing this. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. Let's get to our most ridiculous video before we get to our uh, unpopular opinions and the, and, the, and the shameless grifter slash profiteering section um the most ridiculous video are leftists on 
this thing called TikTok. I'm not on TikTok. Are any of you on TikTok? No. I've never I even have a soul. Only Franciscans are on TikTok, not Augustinians. <laughs> I thought the Chinese owned TikTok. I thought this was like a big honeypot. Anyway, check this out. This is ridiculous. The vote is being repressed. This is evil. This is wrong. The Republicans have to stop. I'm terrified. Listen to me, Republicans. Listen. You are the people in history they warned us about. They warned us about people like you. Was she was she looking in a mirror? Yeah, I'm sorry. I was laughing. The lunatic left loves TikTok. The social media app, which is really, don't forget, is just a Chinese Trojan horse, offers a massive platform to the most irrational liberals in our country, encouraging them to air their grievances unhinged and unfiltered, just like this. I'm a mask because I have a helmet that has a HEPA filter up here. I'm siliconed in, and the air gets forced with this battery pack in and out through the HEPA filter. <laughs> oh, no. People like that thrive on TikTok, and there's rarely any pushback to them. This kind of behavior is, in fact, totally normal. And what's worse, many of them are teachers. These are the people teaching our kids. Terrorists, terrorists, purple for parents are. Terrorists, terrorists, purple for parents are. They come to school board meetings with lots of things to say. And they will bully, cuss, or scream if they don't get their way. I want to talk to the kids. Sometimes human beings are more than boy or girl. Sometimes we're something else. Sometimes we're both. Sometimes um, we kind of float in between. Uh, a lot of people, when they hear the term pedophile, they automatically assume that it means a sex offender. Uh, and that isn't true. And it leads to a lot of misconceptions about attractions toward minors. Oh, well, there you go. My next guest deserves most of the credit for exposing these nut jobs. There's other words for them, but I can't say them on TV. She created a Twitter account called Libs of TikTok to share these videos with a wider audience. You know, we complain about social media, but this has been a good thing. She keeps her identity a secret, and of course, we don't blame her, but agreed uh, she did to her first TV interview. Okay, so Libs of TikTok, I have a confession. Libs of TikTok is somebody that I follow on Twitter, and it's where I get a lot of my uh, videos for this show. I love Lives of TikTok. Lives of TikTok is one of my favorite Twitter accounts. You know, TikTok, it's like what we say about Hollywood with certain things that Hollywood's making. You look at it, you're just like, why in the world? What studio exec green lighted that? Like Santa Inc., for example, with two very unfunny people oh my doing God. a story that nobody cares about and nobody asked for to be the king of bad Christmas movies, right? Mm -hmm. But it's like, well, who was this movie made for? Well, they made it for themselves, and people think exactly like them. And that's basically what uh, TikTok is it's for, for liberals to make stuff, content for themselves and others, and showcase how absolutely nuts they are, just like Hollywood. It's like a it's like a self licking ice cream cone. Yes, <laughs> it's made for itself. As I said in the comments, sweet meteor of death, where are you? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I missed that comment. I wouldn't pull it up. I wasn't looking at the comments. All right, we got to do the unpopular opinions. All right, and James, since you're sitting in Steve's position, you have the unfortunate task of going first on the unpopular opinions this week. You know, last week we didn't put out the unpops yeah. into a Twitter poll, and we should have because I think it would have been very competitive. But this week, yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm looking to win this week, James. I don't yeah. quite know well, what my unpop is yet, but I get to go last. So um, I'm taking yeah, off. Yeah, lucky you. 
Lucky you. So I, so funny thing, I mean, we keep talking about this in you know, our little chat group or whatever uh, for the show, but I, I'm going to take something that you've been sort of harping on for a while, you know? So my unpopular opinion is that men, when you're getting dressed and you look in the mirror, you're putting on your fine jackets and your shirts and your ties and what have you. And then you slip on your white socks. <laughs> Why? Why are you doing that? You have the white socks, and you know what? Okay, that might be that might be an easy one, but this, why are you wearing athletic socks in the first place? You know, <laughs> so athletic socks and suits. Come on, this is That's where mine. we're going. Okay, all yeah. right. So no, I, I cannot wait. Suits. I cannot wait for my custom RTF tidy whities my custom RTF <laughs> white. Athletic socks to wear with RTF shorts in a blazer. Bro, you're gonna. Uh, I think as long you as you have a blazer, your, right? Yeah. You forgot your board shorts, your RTF board shorts. <laughs> oh <my laughs> okay. All right. I. You know what, brother Martin? Uh, white socks with a suit. Do white socks go with cassocks? I don't know. No, I've never. I've never worn white, <laughs> white socks in in a decade. <laughs> <laughs> the only people I wear, I see wearing uh, white socks are the Dominicans. They wear those white socks with the black shoes. <laughs> oh my goodness! Send them in here. Let them get excoriated. All right, is it my turn or whose turn is it? Yeah, go for it. Oh, You're man. on the screen. Well, mine, mine's going to be a, a little bit more serious, I guess. Several articles I've seen come out from from some journals online um, have been talking about libertarianism and, and a Catholic's ability to take a libertarianist position. I don't necessarily know if they realize that uh, classic, I guess, classical liberalism um, kind of just leads into someone like uh, Jean-Jacques Rousseau, who just says, you know, it's survival of the fittest kind of thing, where it's a dog-eat-dog world, where if you just agree on a social contract, eventually someone's going to realize they're more powerful than the other party, and so they're just going to take over the other, the other people, and, and there you go. It's just it's a, it's a lead-in to totalitarianism. So in, in order to have something like libertarianism or classical liberalism, something where, you know, people just agree to disagree, agree to leave each other alone, uh, you have to have people that are willing to leave each other alone. And in our fallen nature, we just don't have that. We just don't have that. Um, but if you could theoretically have people agree to leave each other alone, then theoretically as well, you could have people just submit to Catholicism and, and, and form a Catholic state. Um, so it's really just useless to think about a, a libertarian society. I mean, basically, someone who's proposing libertarian for Catholic is just asking the secular world to leave us alone. But they're 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 more in number. They're more powerful, et cetera, except they're not going to leave us alone. They're not going to give you this. They're not going to allow you to give them some sort of settlement agreement, which is basically what libertarian uh, a Catholic libertarian is. Is someone who's trying to post a, to powerful secularists a settlement agreement that they're just not going to go for. So Catholic libertarianism doesn't work. It's useless. It's, it's a boring idea. It's, it's, it's a bad idea. Um, so let's just get over it. Okay. Libertarianism is lame, Ryan. I feel like he, I feel like that was an indictment. Uh, I know you're not a libertarian, but I feel like he was throwing shade your way. Not, not to Ryan, <laughs> some, some, some other people. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. So we'll let that go. Um, <laughs> I, I'm not a libertarian, so there's certain things I track with them. I have friends that are. Um, I'm not convinced that libertarianism as such is absolutely incompatible with Catholicism, but there are certain points of it 
that 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 would be. I think. I mean, it depends which way when you're looking at different libertarian theorists too. You've got a wide gambit of ideas. So just to put that out there, it's a little more comp uh, complicated to you know get it with a comprehensive brush. But anyway, uh, you, you can debate Salmons on on Twitter. I'll I'll drink a cocktail. So uh, <laughs> my my unpopular opinion this week is that um, when the news of the Pope's, uh, that the Pope might be dying broke, you know, I saw a lot of people celebrating like, woohoo, finally, thank God. Um, you know, I get where that's where that sentiment comes from. I understand it fully, but when someone, especially Catholic is coming to their end, um, we really should be praying for them because the very best thing we could want is for our enemies to be our friends in heaven. And for the, you know, for the Holy father, I don't know what motivates him. I don't particularly like the current Holy father at all. Um, but that's neither here nor there. If he really is dying, uh, I'm going to double my prayers uh, that that he's going to have a major conversion of heart before he dies. Um, but, you know, so I think it's, and I also think people are playing into, uh, I don't think he's dying that rapidly. There's been rumors of him dying since last year, uh, right around the time that uh, Jailers of the Tradition came out. It was rumored that Francis was going to die soon. And so this is why he's hurrying through, he's rushing all this through, which is plausible enough. But I tend to think that this is a leak that actually is testing the waters. Let's see what people do, especially bishops. Let's see what they do. Let's see what they say in the, in the Vatican. Let's see what people do and say uh, when, you know, they, they hear that, that the Pope might be dying. I think they really are looking into that. It is a bit of a psyop. I don't know that it's actually, you know, he may actually be close to death. Who knows? Because um, we, we could all die tomorrow. But really... Um, and I understand, again, I understand why you're, you people are like, woohoo, finally God's liberating us. Um, but the attitude should be, you know, prayer for him because he is at least ostensibly a Catholic and, you know, we should hope for his eternal salvation. And even if he wasn't Catholic, we should hope for his eternal salvation because that is the highest good. Um, many spiritual books. my unpopular opinion. Don't. Yeah, let's not celebrate, you know, the, the, and getting too much mm -hmm. into this rumor of the Pope dying. I know that might be a popular for some people, but uh, let, let's pray more for him. Okay, pray more for the possibly dying Pope. Okay, so, so far we have don't wear white socks with suits because you're an imbecile. Uh, brother, what was yours again, brother Martin? I already forgot. I like what someone said in the live chat: "Libertarianism is the white socks of Catholicism." <laughs> yes, yes. I, I am, I am pre-volunteering to host a debate between Brother Martin and either Eric Sammons or Kennedy Hall, whoever the Yikes. preeminent uh, Twitter libertarian is. Um, and Ryan says, "Pray for the dying pope." Mine's going to be less serious than last week. Last week was really in depth. This week, um, I'm going to go more towards. Um, I'm going to go more towards something that is happening right now in popular culture, and that is that we are not. I repeat, we are not in the Christmas season. Turn off Mariah Carey. Stop listening to all of those crappy Christmas songs, especially the secular ones. Which, by the way, I saw. I saw a chart today that like two dozen of them are written by Hebrews. I mean, why would you listen to secular Christmas songs that deprive you of the uh, holy season? It's not time to cut down a Christmas tree. It's not time to put up a Christmas tree. It's not time for lights. It's not time for Christmas carols. This is Advent. 
And Advent is a very serious and very spiritual season of penitence, right? We are supposed to be preparing ourselves for the birth of our Savior. And, uh, you know, we Catholics, we have an awesome, awesome Christmas season. It goes until February 2nd. It goes until Candlemas. I don't cut my tree down until the 23rd or the 24th if I can, the 24th, so that it can last until February 2nd without becoming a fire hazard. And um, and I think that more Catholics need to do this. I've seen some Catholics posting pictures of themselves cutting down trees today. I don't know why you would do that if you're not planning on keeping your your Christmas tree up until February 2nd, because the Christmas season is until Candlemas. Turn off all the crappy Mariah Carey and, and all the other stuff and put yourself. I think this is what we need to be doing. I mean, which sacrifices have you made during Advent? Are they as serious and penitential as um, as Lent? Should they be? I don't know. These are questions that we can at least ask ourselves and, and openly debate. When people say Merry Christmas to, to me out in the open in the secular world that we live in, in the post-Christian culture, I say, yeah, not yet. Okay, it's coming. Yeah, it's coming soon. Um, you know, I used to live in an HOA. This is well documented out in the public, of course. Um, and in my HOA, you couldn't have Christmas lights up past New Year. You were not allowed to have Christmas lights up past New Year. I say that's bunk. I think we need to have Christmas lights up until Candlemas. I think if we're going to take up space, if we're going to change the culture, we need to live authentic, integrated Catholic lives. We need to have our Christmas lights up on Christmas. I just shook my whole desk here. And um, and, on, and all the way through until Candlemas. So turn off the crappy Christmas music. Take down your decorations. Stop cutting down your trees. And go to adoration. That's my uh, unpopular opinion. Okay, who's grifting yeah. Tonight. Is anybody grifting? <laughs> Brother Martin's grifting. Ryan's grifting. Let's go to Ryan for uh Ryan, are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, Ryan. Okay, so first I have to make an apology. Um last week James was talking about uh the sinner's guide, and so I thought I would be helpful and show my copy so you'd see what it looked at looked like. Then I had about uh, 12 emails from people looking for it on my website. I don't sell it, it's from Tan, so I apologize for leading you astray. These books, however, uh, I do have in an abundance. Um, so if you're looking for good Christmas gifts, uh, St. Paschal Balin, patron of the Holy Eucharist and Eucharistic Associations, uh, really awesome saint. Um, life of St. Francis of Assisi, which, uh, you know, is just, again, a fantastic life of St. Francis from a 18th century Franciscan, Candide Chalip who, you know, tells the real story, the real Francis, the the, the based miracle-working uh, St. Francis that, um, you know, wrote to bishops to chastise them for not keeping the churches looking beautiful and fit for the, the holy sacrifice of the Mass, and uh, so many other things. And then lastly, They Live the Faith, which I've uh, grifted this one before, but it's an excellent gift. Uh, it's great biographies on Catholics who fought for true Catholic social order against the, the aftermath of the horrors of the French Revolution. I can vouch for that last one. They live the faith. I love that one. Thank you so much. Um, by the way, there is... Ryan, you don't talk enough about your book club. If you listen, no, no. I, we just talked about Christmas. I love Christmas. Christmas is my favorite. Every, every single month to me is like Christmas. 
because I get a book from Ryan. I don't even know what's coming. I think maybe you do email me and tell me what's coming, but I don't check the emails. And so every month I get a little package. I get it from Ryan. I open it up. It's a book. And I'm like, wow, I really need to read this. And half the time I put it on the shelf and I'm like, I'll read this when I can. And then I never do. But half the time I peruse it. And then one quarter of the time, that's, 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 that's two times in a quarter. That's more than 100%. But I do read it. And, and They Live the Faith was one of those that came to me one of the random months. 50 bucks, and I get exclusive access to your podcast. And uh, what else do I get? What are the bennies? What are the bennies of being a book club member? Well, the first of the bennies that I'm behind on uh, providing in so many ways because I've been super busy this Christmas. I thought I'd get back on track with some of it. One is a newsletter. I finally found someone to to help me get the newsletter done because I think I actually did one of them, um, which is not so good. Um, but anyway, the, I'm going to try to fill that with extra goodies, make it worth your time. Uh, history podcast, uh, art podcast. Um, you know, these are all the things that you're supposed to be getting and that I'm still building up. Luckily I've got Christmas break to get those, uh, you know, backfilled. So you'll have access to all of those. <laughs> all right. Copy. I'm just laughing at the live comments. <laughs> okay. All right. Uh, Ryan, uh, brother Martin, you, you need to grip something. I'm sure. So I have to apologize because last week I said hopefully I, by by this time today uh, I would have our pre nineteen fifty five Augustinian calendars. Well, I've been talking with the printers, et cetera, et cetera. They're I guess backed up or whatever. We don't have them yet. They're coming. Promise they're coming. Uh, we've had several email exchanges, et cetera, et cetera. They're they're on their way, and they'll be a little bit nicer than this year's. This year, uh, last year's was was staple, all that kind of stuff. This would be in like in a spiral spiral roll. Uh, printer on really nice paper and stuff so they're, they're coming um just not here yet okay all right james you're not a grifter i'm not a grifter but here's what i'm thinking i'm going to do next time i'm going to come on the show and i'm going to grift white athletic socks right so <laughs> i'm not going to tell the audience here's, here's what i'm not going to tell the audience i'm not going to tell the audience that inside the package is actually black <laughs> dress socks yeah, so. <laughs> so there we have it yeah so for those listening you, you'll you'll get it but you know i you know i caught a lot of hate for that comment james last well, week people were like you've never been to the ssbx you're so mean why would you say that and stuff and i'm like dude i've, I've seen you know, it I, come on i, I read that I, you know it's really funny because that's been my experience it's been my experience through and through uh but, you know, honestly, not not just uh, society uh, chapels. You have uh, a lot of uh, FSSB chapels, too. You you see young men yeah. sort of donning those beaming white socks. And, you know, it just, you know, that's just, just kind of On the altar, I've seen boys serving yeah. masks that had white socks and sneakers under uh, their caps. Yeah. Have you seen that, Ryan? I have seen that. Yeah. I've seen it so, at the so SPX. I've seen it at the FSSB. I've seen it at Diocesan. Nobody's immune. Oh, well, surely the Institute are except, immune because they're wearing except the SKSB, right? <laughs> so I they, cannot speak for the Institute. They know they know what a strip fork is at the Institute. There's no way they there's do. athletic socks on the altar. They, they, they do. They do. That's true. <laughs> I got one more thing to grift that I promised I would grift. Um, so on census fidelium, uh, I only have this on my phone, so I apologize. There is a, currently a Miraculous Metal uh, outreach that they are working on. So Miraculous Metal Evangelization Pack of 55, uh, 50 for 30 bucks. Uh, clearly, the metals are not blessed. You have to get them uh, blessed. 
but uh, it's a special initiative uh, to get this pack. You're going to get 50 quality miraculous medals, 50 aluminum ball chains, 50 holy cards, 50 plastic bags, and free shipping. Uh, you know, so that way you can give miraculous medals away to family, friends, coworkers, etc. So you can find this on slash product slash miraculous hyphen metal. And would it be so possible that, uh, to also, yeah, would it be possible to also get like uh, a couple of blessings thrown in there? I'll throw in some extra bucks and then maybe a little bit of indulgence here and there. How about that? <laughs> we need some time off purgatory, right? people. This is the rundown. It is your weekly addiction. It is the Catholic disinfo hour. Be well. Thank you.